It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of, of, of what it means to be a farmer. Because, you know, for me, as a guy who has a farm and is working part-time to try to get that farm established and try to raise food and, and sell food from my farm, uh, I consider myself a farmer. I know there's a lot of people out there who who would disagree with that and say I'm a hobbyist or I'm a homesteader or I fall into some other category. But to me personally, in my mind, I'm a farmer. But I recognize that there's a difference between the farm that I have going on here and uh, the traditional view that many people have of what a farm should look like or, or could look like. Um, I think there's people who have that view of, you know, it's it's hundreds and hundreds of acres managed by a gigantic tractor um, or other people who feel like, oh, it's it's only a real farm if that's where you get most of your living from. Or it, it's only a, a real farm if, if it's something that's passed down from family to family and, and has been a tradition of your family, not something that's more or less looking like some kind of small business startup. Um, and, and I, I understand where a lot of people are coming for all those perspectives, but I, I personally believe that, that when it comes to farming, there, there needs to be that diversity in terms of what different types of farms look like. I actually think part of the, the problem that our food system is in right now has been generated by the fact that, that we've had just this one view of what a farm could be or what a farm should be. And, and we haven't been more accepting in the diversity of what farms could look like or what farmers could look like. And, and, and so from, from my vantage point, I think it's important to recognize all the different types of farms that can be out there, including this weird duck and goose farm that grows trees that we have going on here in northern Vermont here at Goldshaw Farm. But, you know, because I recognize that diversity and because I appreciate that diversity, I, I do want to try to make it a point to, particularly within this podcast, introduce you guys to, to farmers who are doing it very differently than we are. Because I think, you know, to look at those different models, there's a lot of uh, value out there. Um, one example of, of those farmers that are different are actually my friends from Arkansas, uh, Ben and Andrea Vinson. Uh, ben and Andrea have a large family farm um, down in Arkansas. Uh, the family's had the farm for a couple of generations. And, and right now, they are the generation of their family that's managing that farm on a regular basis. They have a significant cattle operation. They have a small dairy operation. They have a small egg operation. And, and, and so they have a lot of, of enterprises going on there. And, and I figured it'd be good to sit down and have a conversation with Ben and Andrea and, and learn a little bit more about them and their farm and how they manage it and, and really what the story is that they have behind their farm. So for today's episode, we're going to be all about this conversation I had with Ben and Andrea Vinson of VW Family Farm.
we met back, I was still in high school, Ben was just out of high school, and I don't know if this is a southern thing or if they do this everywhere, but we were cruising. Cruising the strip. You're just driving up and down the street like five miles an hour, basically. In a designated area, everybody and their brothers, uncles, whatever, gets in their vehicles and does a circle in, a, in the town of Searcy, where she was from. Well, they did it in all towns. Well, this is where we met. Uh, I don't know, about a two to three mile strip. So you drive around, go down two or three miles, turn around, come back two or three miles and try to do that. So how did we meet cruising? <laughs> <laughs> you try to do that lap. I don't know how many ever times you could get through it, but uh, I seen her and a friend and um, they was actually parked at the, uh, at the, um, Courthouse? Yeah, the White County Courthouse. And I had a truck that had a PA system in it, so I just, I picked up the CB mic and hollered over the PA system at her and, hey, good looking, you'll go for a ride. And I mean, you see where that got me. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually used a CB radio to talk for the first time? Yeah. Yep. We're truly redneck. <laughs> And, and now, you know, I'm assuming you guys, you, you kind of met, you date for a while, and then you, you ultimately, uh, you know, get engaged. And when you're, when you're at that stage of the relationship, right, are you talking about the fact that, yeah, you want to be a farmer and that that's how you want to live your life? Or, or like, what's the discussion like when you're, when you're kind of planning out your lives together? I don't think we did a lot of discussing. We were just like young and in love and didn't plan a whole lot. And <laughs> I mean, I grew up at that point i was just out of high school and had been on the state championship golf team so i was not raised in the country like my grandparents lived in the country everyone around here used to live in the country but they'd moved to town and whatever and um, so my whole life was spent on a golf course and so ben was from the country and actually raised right here on this piece of land that we're living on right now so i'd never that wasn't on my radar to, I, I don't even think we talked about where we were going to live. No, we didn't have a place picked out yet. So. But the, uh, I mean, the sad thing and, but in the blessed way, well, the way God works things out, like she said, we didn't have a place to live, but my grandpa died just, what, two, three months before we got married. And, uh, of course, when he died, there was no one to oversee the farm, so I kind of took the challenge i guess you could say to watch over it as a uh 21 year old kid trying to watch over 710 acres so that that was a challenge in itself but it uh, it provided us an opportunity where we lived and and a uh a good start to life and and, and now how long has the farm been in your family been oh me it's well, it's not one of those farms that uh, his dad passed it down to him and all that my grandpa was a smart man and he was always looking for opportunities to make money or to invest and I want I remember one thing he told us when I was a little kid they don't make no more land buy land when you can afford it and when it's at a good price and and his grandpa lived like most people probably thought he was a really poor man because he didn't dress super nice he drove old vehicles um, he kind of lived in a rundown place to live, um, but 
he saved money and just bought land with cash really cheap so that's how that's why our farm is not all the land is not together he just bought land uh, when he could get it and and so he was the one who ultimately amassed that 700 plus acres yes, yes. yeah him and my grandma they were married they actually divorced when before i was born but um they worked and and formed a lot of it but even throughout the years after they divorced uh he kept buying land here parcels here and there and putting it together some of them he would buy and keep a hundred percent of the mineral rights and then turn around and sell the land so making a profit there he never actually seen much profit off of that but since his passing uh the oil and gas companies have come in this area and produced you know a pretty substantial amount of money into the economy around here mm -hmm. so, so now as you guys are a young couple taking over this this large family farm you know what what did you start doing first like where was your focus as you started to get into it well i mean first off when he passed away he had animals so i don't know what was there maybe 10 cows he had some cows and goats and things like that so we kind of tried to take care of those for a while but we just didn't really have a goal or a vision or anything about where our life was gonna go um and so we kind of slowly sold those off mm -hmm. and decided that we kind of just wanted like we got a boat and we just kind of wanted to be a be little kids. more yeah be kids <laughs> And so we kind of didn't do a whole lot with the land for a while. Um, we started out first off doing that and then um, veered away from it and then have slowly come back to it. So we kind of have leased the land over the years to this person or that person, people running cows, or we've leased it to a local feed mill. Um, they've grown feed. We've paid to have it bush hauled, stuff like that. But, but what was it that ultimately had you guys migrating back to it and, and starting to build up the farm that you have today? I'm trying to think what the first animal that kind of got us kicked off again. I don't know that it was actually animals that really got us kicked off. Uh, when our kids uh, started going to school, Andrea was substitute teaching there and then she was able, her eyes were open to see what, what all goes on at school that most parents aren't, you know, I guess privy to, but uh, she started pushing me to homeschool, and I wasn't in favor of it. I didn't want my kids to grow up like a bunch of nerds or whatever, but um, <laughs> that's, and that's what I call them. But uh, they, uh, I still call my kids nerds, but I like them. I like them being nerdy. Um, go ahead. But we, Ben started having some health problems and uh, that just was a whole chain of events that led us to start talking to people that were into raising food we were actually just interested in buying food from them and but every conversation he started having with these natural people into raising food would lead back to homeschooling and I mean now that we homeschool it's kind of like it's just a whole nother set of people that if they homeschool they kind of already think outside the box and stuff and so that led us to visiting some farms and uh, just realizing that hey we cannot afford to buy our food from these farms but we might could do what they're doing and so it just kind of grew from there we we already had chickens we've kind of always had chickens throughout really our whole married life and um, that kind of led us to pigs and um, 
grass-fed beef cows and milking cows and just seeing a lot that um just because farmers around here have done things a certain way for a number of years doesn't mean that's the only way to do it like i don't have to milk 50 cows and do it at 4 a.m and 4 p.m and never have a vacation and all that so we kind of just started meeting people that were doing things differently um, they were just milking one cow and when they wanted to and leaving the calf on the rest of the time and that was just unheard of stuff to us right and and so it was kind of like step by step by step um that you ultimately got into it all yeah i, I think the very first thing we started with of course like she said we we had chickens but i think we bought a uh, a longhorn um heifer wasn't it mm -hmm. and we started growing her up but at that same time was when we started looking into the the pasture raised or the uh, grass-fed beef pasture raised pork things like that so sometimes we'd get the cart before the horse and you know when you want eggs you go buy little baby chicks well it's going to be a year pretty much before you've got eggs so when we bought this heifer we was like all right we want some grass-fed beef well it's going to be two to three years before you're ever going to have any grass-fed beef so that kind of morphed into all right let's find another uh longhorn steer to raise up and and then that just kept producing more thing well let's try this and then um like she said the place that we went and looked at or where we was getting our pasture raised pork from they had uh they had a, a breed of pigs that i'd never heard of and that was just it was mind-blowing these pigs they graze out on pasture they don't sit there and turn the turn the pastures over rooting it up like most pigs that you traditionally see on farms so that got me really interested in them and talking to that guy, um, he needed more help, you know, raising pastured pork. He didn't have enough, enough pork for the, the demand for it because he was selling at farmer's markets and plus at his house. So I got, ended up getting three gilts from him to start raising, you know, litters of piglets for him or pigs for him. And then, um, during that process it was another thing just like the buying a baby chick when you're wanting an egg we wanted pasture raised pork right then so we ended up looking around and we got the normal yorkshire or whatever hair or not heritage breed pig and just wasn't impressed with them but by the time we ended up raising up these heritage style old spots is what our breed is um their meat quality is just totally different so uh I would say that it it comes in we wanted it right then and a lot of times we like i said we'd get the car before the horse so we would we would jump in and just get something else you know what i mean uh just to satisfy that that craving yeah no i i get i, I definitely know how that can build <laughs> so so all in today like what does your operation consist of like what are you guys doing on your farm we've slowly grown over the years and like ben said we would go all into something and and get crazy overwhelmed and just ready to quit it all and then we'd have to scale back a little and then we'd slowly add something else we've we've done it fast and we've done it slow but um today we've kind of built up to where we right now we just have one sow and one boar and then they have piglets twice a year so we raise we raise pigs and for our consumption as well as then we sell the extra. We have some really good customers that buy from us. We raise meat chickens in the summer. We have 
We have a ton of egg-laying chickens right now. One of one reason is because Ben went crazy, and after we visit, visited Joel Saladin's farm back at the HOA and saw that he's using them for fly control, so we immediately came home and bought like what 250 egg layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to so, do the egg mobile. Yes. yes. So yeah. that's a new thing for us, but we've always had some egg layers, and our kids do that and make money off that through 4-H, and they've made lots of money off um, selling eggs because they put all the money into it, like raising the chicks when they're not laying. They have to put the money in that to be able to sell the eggs. Um, so we have chickens, we have a few sheep, and we've had goats before. I've milked goats uh, several different times and made soaps and lotions and drank it and all that, but our daughter's allergic, so now we just stick to milking cows. And I have uh, five milk cows right now and um, we have a few pheasants and we've had some unique things over the time. We've done the, we've done rabbits and we've done um, quail. quail, some different things like that. We don't have those right now. Um, and let's see, we have, our big thing is this past year, we took our land back from the feed company that had been raising feed on our land for several years. Um, and bought, we already had about 20 beef cows and we went whole hog and bought 60 more mama cows, which equated to at our highest, we were at like 175 head of cows um, at our highest point. So we just sold 28 Tuesday that we had raised up that were probably eight months old. We've probably um, sold, this fall we've probably sold what, 50? Yeah, we sold about 50. Yeah. So. Um, that's a new thing. We just got those in February. So this is our first full winter to see how much hay they're going to eat and seeing if we figured correctly, if we cut enough hay and all that. So that and learning all the, learning all the, uh, ups and downs to beef cattle farming. I mean, it's been a, it's definitely been a learning experience and I'm glad I've got a, uh, I've got a wife and a family that is willing to step up and she is one tough lady because she can handle a lot of the gross things that I cannot. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you say that, Ben, because I, I think one of the things that's always really struck me about you guys collectively is that you really are kind of across the whole family, a team, you know, between you and Andrea, but then also your kids who are, and who are teenagers, but they play a big role with your farm too. What, what, what do you guys think the secret is to having that, you know, kind of family all bought in and like creating that dynamic with the farm? I honestly think that um, we just, we took them out of school in second and fourth grade. And so they were still pretty young. And so this is all they know. Um, and we've just always done everything together. We've never been huge on them going and spending the night here, there, and everywhere. So we've just kind of always been together. Um, but also we've tried to like value them at their help. And so we've paid them along mm -hmm. the way. So they like money. Not, not ever a whole lot. I mean, if they ever find out that how cheap <laughs> that they've worked, <laughs> but, but um, they're they're learning to manage money at their age. I mean, they've been doing the 4-H chickens now for what by themselves five years. Yeah. And I mean, they they've got a bank account, son. Now yeah. They, They've learned how to manage money. I mean, we let them blow money. Right. Um, they wanted to buy toys. Go ahead. Um, but sometimes you pay for your choices that you make in that. And maybe, yeah, right now I'm going to buy this toy here. But 
six months later, I'm not going to be able to afford this over here. So we've tried to teach them money management, but also, um, I guess the hard way of, and it's not really hard on them yet, but I, I've tried to tell them both since they was about what, 12, that they're going to have to start saving money for their, for a vehicle. And, uh, they've actually done it and done really well at it. Another thing I think that's helped us with the kids being on board and helping is because their whole life we've limited screen time. They've always gotten screen time. We've we've let Lane loves games. He loves gaming. Uh, he loves movies. He's a Star Wars like fanatic. He owns them all, watches them all the time. Gaming, movies, things like that. Computers. He's he's really tech savvy yeah he's so, really good at the editing yeah he knows a lot just about computers so but we didn't ever want him to get super carried away with it to where he didn't go outside and didn't you know ex you know enjoy nature and just doing other things too so by us limiting that he's still gotten to do it because i feel like if you just say no you know to something that they really do genuinely love they're going to grow up and have a choice one day and they may just go wild with it so we've we've allowed it but we've tried to allow it in like um with guidelines i guess you'd say so they can't just sit inside and game all day so i think that gets them outside too mm, no that, that makes a lot of sense and, and now, Andrea, talk to me a little bit about the, the dairy stuff that you do, because I, I, th I feel like for a lot of people, dairy is like one of those very polarizing things. Either some people are really attracted to the idea of, you know, producing milk for your family and, and your neighbors and other people are like, like me are like, dear God, I will never touch that ever. Um, that just seems overwhelming. What, what, what's, what's your experience been like there? It's actually, I love it. I love my dairy cows. Um, for the most part, which I have mostly Jersey cows, they're gentle and sweet and they have personalities. Now they can be kind of bossy, but um, they're not dangerous. Like now a Jersey bull is a different story, but um, as far as my milk cows, they're just, they're just gentle. And uh, I've milked goats as well. And I actually prefer cows. The cows behave better than the goats to me. They, um, but I say that, and I love goats too. So I just like animals. <laughs> yeah, but the, but but the cows, you're you're getting more milk for your right. when you're milking. Um, most goats that we ever had, most of them, anytime you put the milkers on, they was kicking or jumping or trying to right. Milk. Which I probably could have worked and trained them more. I didn't probably do the best job at training them, um, but. I, I love the dairy animals. Like I said, I've done both. I've milked goats and cows at the same time. Like I had them all in milk. Um, people want milk, is raw milk especially. So um, I've never had trouble selling it. I will say selling pigs that we've raised and selling raw milk has helped keep our farm afloat and mm -hmm. help make our farm because um, at one time I was milking and selling milk and that would buy all our feed for all of our farm animals uh, for the month and selling pigs was just that's what helped get us started mm -hmm. was like Ben was saying we had a buyer that would we just raise them he'd buy them and take it from there um, and so but those little years, things over the years we built a clientele up with uh, with people wanting pastured pork or 
right uh, locally grown pork so and again well, homeschooling is a great network for that because you're already looking at people that usually are into natural stuff um i mean they don't have to go together but it just is the way it is a lot of times if they're homeschooling they're they're usually into that so what about you morgan uh you like raw cow's milk I, i'm a fan of it i i actually very much am I, I have a local source here for it um who i think will like to remain nameless but um yeah for i mean for for me the thing that's sort of just it's the and I guess all animals are sort of like this, but it's a little bit harder to pawn off of, you know, look, it's a twice daily process. You really have to think about how you're managing your equipment and the infrastructure required. It just, it always seems a little overwhelming for me when I think about dairy and like, yeah, getting a couple Jersey cows and saying, yeah, let's make some milk and some butter. So what did you just say? Uh, did you say twice a day commitment? Yeah, isn't it? I mean, the milking part or... <laughs> Well, a lot of people do it that way, and there's there's homestead channels that do it that way, that they milk twice a day. and. Um, but that's what everybody's stuck on. Everybody thinks you have to do that, and I was one of them. I was 100% one of them because I grew up in a dairy. I dairy. I started dairying when I was 12 years old and did it till I graduated high school. And that when she started talking about it, I was like, no, I ain't milking seven days a week, twice a day. Uh-uh. I've been there, done that, I ain't ever going back to it, but. Well, we just started, we, we leave the calf on the cow, so that way I just, I go out, I give the calves a few weeks with mom, with me not milking them, so they can get all the colostrum and uh, get a good start, and then we will start, we'll put them up in the stall in the barn at night, and there's water in there and it's warm and they can nibble on hay if they want to and all that um, and all they do is spend the night in there and then the next morning I milk the mom and I don't take it all I've been asked that question is how does the calf drink if you take it all I don't take it all I leave them some and then I let the calf out and they nurse and they nurse all day long and if I want to do it again the next day I just repeat that process usually I milk about four days a week um, and then just whatever I have that's above what I want for making cheese and butter and yogurt and sour cream and cream cheese and all those things and our kids drink a ton of milk then I'll sell to customers and it's just pretty much profit but what's crazy is uh, something that we learned long ago is when you put the calf up uh, especially the older older the calf gets uh, the longer it's been born um, of course the mom's not going to produce quite as much milk she her milk production drops off well we had one cow that uh, we brought her in there and it's like all right, she's not hardly giving any milk we've had the calf put up all night i know that she should be giving some milk here well we got we got to talking around us uh, some local people around here and it's like yeah she's holding it back for her calf she's learned hold it back so what one day when she done that was like all right we turned the calf in on her and it's like the floodgates opened. She dropped her milk. We took the calf back off and we got like two gallons of milk right then. It was crazy how how the, their bodies know. And so- Yeah, like, they can hold it back for me. So like when Andrea said, she, uh, she doesn't take it all. She leaves milk in there, but also the cow still lets down more milk. Yeah. But we usually, that's what we do. And then we don't, um, we don't leave it for a farm sitter to milk. Um, so, and I've done it by hand and by machine. And the machine, 
is wonderful until it doesn't work and then at least your hands always work so i've done it both ways but, but your hands get tired but the machine gives your hands a break yes so there's pros and cons to both so but you rely on the machine today mostly mostly yeah 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 okay yeah. Now, talk to me about, because I know a lot of people do this, where they're feeding their pigs either the whey or the milk or, or portions of the milk. Um, is that something you guys do as well with, with your pigs and your cows? Some. I just fed the pigs like two gallons of whey today. So um, we do it. It's not something they get every day. No, right? it's not something they get every day because I only make cheese like once a week. Um, but... It's, it definitely will fatten up a pig. It's good for pigs, it's good for plants, it's good for chickens, it's, it's good for all animals. I mean, yeah, but like I said, even on the plants, there's mixtures out there, I can't remember them right now off the top of my head, but there's mixtures out there where you mix the whey in water and water your plants with it, and it's really good for them. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> So now, for, for the two of you, how much of your work is on-farm versus on off-farm at this point? Ooh, mine's a, a lot of off-farm. I usually leave roughly around 5.30 in the morning, and most of the time don't get home till 4.30, 5 o'clock that afternoon. So this time of year, when it gets dark early, it's really hard to get any work done. So I really rely on her and the kids. And we're here every day. We, we do go places like, usually it takes us most of the morning to get everything done. Like as far as farm work, school work, um, all kinds of things like that, milking cows. And so if we really hustle, we can go somewhere usually by lunchtime. So we have some homeschool friends we'll meet with and things like that. Make appointments usually in the afternoon. But, um, there's a lot of days we don't go anywhere that we're here doing things that come up like this last week the calves decided to get out after being weaned for five weeks and so we chased cows two different days um all those unplanned things are what we do and that's when i'm so thankful that they're home yeah i i, I completely appreciate that because yeah the, when you're off farm and you've got like various animals or things to worry about it's it is an extra stress so it must be nice to yeah, have you know kind of the, the rest of the family there able to take care of some of that stuff so, so what's your plan ultimately for your farm like where are you guys hoping to go over the next couple of years definitely um i don't know that we're gonna grow the cattle operation right now because i feel like um we started over a year ago preparing to buy cows with putting up major fences like hot wire fences and some barbed wire because we're on a highway. So this has been over a year long process and I feel like we're still like, our workload is pretty maxed out sometimes. So I feel like if we get to a point where we're like, we, we've got this, we can, we can do this. Maybe we'll expand. We have land to expand onto, um, but I think right now we're kind of maxed out on animals. But I honestly think we've come further than I ever thought we would just, and a lot of that is due to YouTube, just finding out that there's so many people like us out there that not necessarily just with the cows, but with just the whole homestead lifestyle and mindset that wants to provide things for themselves and think outside the box. I think that's just inspired us to do things we never would have done before and, um, try things and 
grow things. And so I just, I guess I see us just keeping on learning from the other homesteaders out there and um, trying things as they come. That's what's great about this community, learning from each other. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I really, I, I, I really like Ben and Andrew. They're just very good people to hang out with. Um, every time I get a chance to, to hang out with them, I enjoy. It. I actually think I'm going to be going down to Arkansas in April to actually go visit uh, Ben and Andrea, as well as my friends uh, Jessica and Jeremiah Sowards, um, who are hosting a, a, a shindig event down there. I think I think it's that first weekend in April. Um, and I, I think I'm planning on going cause it's just always such a good time to get in person with folks and hang out and, and meet people face to face. And, and, you know, Ben and Andrea and, and Jess and Jeremiah are some of my favorite people. If you want to learn more about Ben and Andrea and what they're doing at their farm, be sure to check out their uh, YouTube channel and Instagram feed. I will leave links for both, uh, in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing here at Goldshaw farm, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Uh, it's a Goldshaw farm. Just search for it on YouTube. It'll pop right up. Um, you know, we put out new videos every week uh, talking about what we're doing on our farm and all the little weird activities and little weird stories that we have going on our farm. But uh, generally speaking, we try to make those videos entertaining. And, and so uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out uh, the, the YouTube channel. And, and with that, that's really all I have for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will be back again real soon with another one. And until then, I will ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to please play our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. City life, yeah, had its charms, but we would dream of the fields under the stars. I fall asleep inside its arms, the love is here at Goldshop Farms, the love is here at Goldshop Farms.